Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Hallelujah. Are you happy in Jesus this morning? Have you been encouraged this morning? Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to read a couple of verses there and then we'll get right into this. Do a little recapitulation and then we're going to flow right into what God has for you today. Amen. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. For the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. See, the, the Bible teaches us that was a third of the angels that was cast out with him. Amen? So that means we got two-thirds of the angels still in heaven. Amen? I believe two-thirds is bigger than one-third. So we got more angels with us than he do with him. Hello, somebody. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has accused them before our God day and night. See, he's accusing you day and night. He never stops. But he has been cast down. And they, the ones being accused, overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Father, thank you so much for your word. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer to write on the hearts of this here, your people. Let your people be encouraged today. Let them be edified and built up in your word. And it is in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says, For the life of the soul of all flesh is in the blood. He says, I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So what we have learned over the course of these several weeks is the importance of the, the blood of Jesus Christ. For without the blood, there would be no atonement. The atonement means that God has provided a sacrifice for us so that we don't have to die in our sins. In other words, that we have been delivered from death, hell, and the grave because of the precious blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross, gone up Golgotha's hill, and when he gave up the ghost, he said, it is finished. But how many of you know when he said, it is finished, he was not talking about the ministry. He was talking about redemption. So he paid the price. In other words, the, the book of Hebrews said he paid the ransom for us. It was a high price. So when he said it is finished, he was talking about the work of redemption, but he wasn't talking about the work of the ministry. See, we get to finish that because he left that work to us. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so he gave us the Holy Ghost so that we can work the ministry. So I want to get back to the title of uh, the series is Blood Clots in the Body. And just to give you a quick definition of in the natural blood clots uh, is a clump of blood that has changed from a liquid form to a gel form. 
Now, uh, I got a couple of nurses in here. Uh, hopefully they can confirm what I'm about to say, is that clotting actually is necessary in some instances, like if you get cut, uh, clotting is necessary to stop the flow of that blood. So it is a necessary thing uh, in some situations if you are injured of, or cut. However, sometimes when a clot forms inside of our veins, it does not always dissolve. So what happens is this type of clotting, if it's not detected, it can be fatal to a person. That's why the doctor was checking her legs and told her to uncross her legs because he was checking for blood clots in her body. And when you uh, detect a blood clot, it can be fatal to your health because if that blood clot flows through the veins and get to the heart, it can actually cause a person to die. So what you have to do, saints of God, is you have to do an assessment to find out, well, what's going on inside of the body? Is there something that I don't see on the surface, but it may be looming underneath the surface? And the only way I can tell is, first of all, I got to check the blood. Hello, somebody. I got to check because everything is in the blood. Hello, somebody. You find that's why the first and when you are sick and they don't know what's going on, the first thing they say, well, let me check your blood. Hello, somebody. I just did my routine physical again. And the first thing they always take about five vials of blood. I don't know what's going on with them. But anyway, they take a lot of blood because they know that I am a cancer survivor. So they're checking everything out to make sure because if there's something amiss, the blood will let us know. Hello, somebody. So the life of all flesh is in the blood. Jesus is our life source of blood. Jesus is the only man that died for us. Jesus is the only one that said in Romans 5 and 8 that God proved his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Blood is important to the body. If you don't have blood, you die. As it is in the natural, so it is spiritually. There are specific types of blood clots in the body of Christ. And if you don't detect certain clots in the body, then that can destroy the health of a church. Hello, somebody. I know y'all been waiting for me to make this transition right here. So we're going to talk about some blood clots in the body of Christ. Amen. And see, that's, this, this is some good stuff because what we need to realize is that uh, we must do everything we can to not only detect, but also destroy any clotting that's going on in the body of Christ. Amen. First John 1 and 1, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The blood delivers us from darkness, and then it translates us into the kingdom of his son. So we go from darkness to light by the blood. Other scriptures say that we have been redeemed by the blood. Other scriptures say that we have been purged by the blood. Other scriptures say that we have been sanctified by the blood. 
Other scriptures say that we have been justified by the blood. Hello, somebody. See, there's a lot that the blood do for us. See, when you appropriately apply the blood to your lives, you get armed and dangerous. See, when you appropriately apply the blood to your life, you know how to praise God. See, when you are in a situation where you are at rock bottom, where all you can see is up, Les Brown said, when you get knocked down, make sure you fall on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. When you are at that place where all of your other plans have already failed, <laughs> I think I'm talking to somebody here. You might have had your little B plan, but then that fell through. And then, you know, you always keep that one over there. That fell through. And you had a phone call you could make. You didn't want to make it because you don't like talking to them. But that was your fail safe, and that fell through. And then you had a place between a rock and a hard place. You have nowhere to go up, but you can still praise God. See, if you don't even know how to effectively articulate the praise, you don't have to try to pull the scriptures together. You can just lift your hands and say, Jesus, I thank you anyway. Said, Jesus, I praise you anyway. I'm hurting so bad in my body right now, I don't even know how to pray. But God, you are still good. You are still on the throne. I still love you. You can pray like David. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the enemies and my foes came up to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host being camped all about me, one thing that I am confident of, that I shall seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and inquire in his temple to behold the beauty of the Lord. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in the secret place of his pavilion. When you said unto me, Seek ye my face. My heart said unto you, your face, Lord, shall I seek. See, when you praise God, you can just go to a psalm on that devil. And the devil can't take the praise away from you. He don't even like you praising God. He has taken his best shot and you're still standing. He took away your finances. You're still standing. He touched your body. You're still standing. He touched your family. You're still standing. He took away your job, but you're still standing. Stop somebody high five and say you're still standing. You're still standing. You're still standing. You're still standing. Glory to God. You're still standing, Darius and Camille. You're still standing. I know you wanted to give up. I know you wanted to give in. But God said, you can't give up. You can't give out. You got to press through. Whoa. Glory to God. It's just like when you're pregnant, baby. And you want to give up. No. The doctor said, you can't give up. You got to push. See, when you're... Mm, when you're, when you're pregnant with something. Good gracious. See, some of you came in here with, a, with something going on on the inside because God has given you a special gift inside. And I want to tell you, you need to hook up with some people that can make your baby leap. You need to get around some folks that can encourage you. You got to get around some people that can strengthen you. Get around some people that's positive. Get around some people that know how to get a prayer through. Get around some people that got some faith. When you don't have enough faith, get around somebody that does.
When Camille called her, she was so broken. She couldn't, after we got the call, she couldn't even talk. She just wept. Elaine and I just said, weep on, baby. Weep on. Because sometimes you just need to call somebody. Let me tell you something, saints. Let me tell you something, good Christian. Sometimes you need to keep your mouth closed. Sometimes people just need to know you love them. Sometimes people need to know you don't have to perform for me. You don't have to give me a scripture every time you call me. You don't have to say, thus said God. You don't ever have to say what the Bible said. You don't have to do none of that. You just need to be real. And we told her, cry on, baby. Weep on. We'll do the praying for you. And we pray the prayer that she's walking in right now. Am I right? Did she believe it at the time? I don't know. And it does not matter. We believed it. See, we had enough faith for her. You're not always going to feel like you're full of faith, saints of God. You're going to go through some stuff where you're going to want to give up. You're going to go through some stuff where you say, why am I doing this? You're going to go through some stuff and say, wait a minute, is God really real? You're going to go through some stuff that God really say. Listen, if you keep on living long enough as a Christian, you're going to go through something. You're going to go through some trying times. Jesus said it this way. If they tried me, they're going to try you. Because you are a Christian. You are going to be tried because you're going to be baptized by fire. The Bible says every man's work will be tried by fire to see what sort it is. You're really not going to be effective as a Christian until you've been baptized. You're going to have to go through some stuff because you're going to have, you can't have a testimony without the test. Hello, somebody. I know we don't like, I know, I know. Let me just go there with you. I don't like that either. Don't think just, oh, pastor likes going through stuff. I hate going through stuff. I don't know anybody like going through things. Amen. Maybe I might have maybe two people in here that like, who just like going through stuff? Help me out here because you need to be preaching today. Amen. I, I, I hate going through stuff. Man, I don't like it. Usually for me and Elaine, we were in two or three things, and then by the time we come out of one, two or three more pop up. Right? But, but listen, you're, you're not getting these things because you're living wrong. You're getting these things because you're living right. Can I encourage you today? Because that's the first thing we want to say. Well, what am I doing? Hey, man, am I talking to the right church? And that's the first thing. Well, since I'm going through this, what am I doing wrong? Right? But who says you're doing something wrong? I just read to you that he is an accuser, not in that. It doesn't, it, you don't have to do anything wrong, and you don't have to do anything right. He's still going to accuse you. Night and day, you're going to be accused. Hello, somebody. All right, so let's get into these things. All right, so I talked to you about uh, the first lesson I gave you was the sevenfold sprinkling of the Old Testament priests. And they took the blood. And they sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat seven times. You guys remember that? 
And I told you the significance of that seven times and what he had to wear and how he had to change his clothes. He had to put on, pure, he had to put on linen, which speaks of purity. He had to take off all of the mitre and all of the gold. He could not go in the presence of God with none of man-made stuff. He had to go in God with nothing but his flesh and the, the pure linen that he wore. Because when you go before the manifest presence of God, you better go before God pure. Otherwise, you might be like Uzzah and he strikes you down dead. That's why Moses just couldn't walk up on him. He said, wait a minute, Moses, take off your shoes because the ground for which you are standing is holy ground. You can't come walking up on God like you want to. God is a holy God. He is not to be played with. He's not your homeboy. He is not the man upstairs. He is God. And he will show you how powerful he is if you ever get out of line with him. And he is to be respected. He's to be revered. Hello, somebody. So that's who we're talking about, the sevenfold sprinkling. But then I tied the sevenfold sprinkling of the Old Testament priest to the sevenfold release of the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus released blood from seven different areas from his body. I don't have time to recapitulate that today. You can go back and listen to the message on the podcast. But there were seven different areas where he released his blood. Then I gave you the sevenfold application on how to plead the blood over your life. We did some of those uh, 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 confessions this morning during the uh, communion, right? So I thought I was done with this message. I really did. I thought I was done. And God said, you're not done yet. You got to give them something else. So God gave me seven symptoms of blood clotting in the body of Christ. Y'all ready? Are you sure? All right, let's do this. So the first symptom of a clot that we need to detect in the body of Christ is called Fear. 1 John 4 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Perfect love casts out fear. You know, fear is one of those things that's an interesting um, thing to go through because usually if you are afraid to do something you hadn't really done it yet. So basically you are afraid of something you haven't even, you haven't done. Um, I'm afraid that if I try to start this business, I'm gonna fail, but did you start it? I'm afraid that if I consecrate myself and pray and fast, God is gonna do something. <laughs> yeah he will but there's no need to be afraid of it a lot of times fear the root of fear is insecurity see whatever area you are insecure about usually you have a fear about it let me uh, um, I know uh, Nelson was talking about this is also national uh, domestic Violence Month, as well as Breast Cancer Awareness. And so domestic violence, um, the reason the woman stays is because of fear. That fear is tied to insecurities because that fellow have told her you'll never find anybody else that keeps you insecure. Insecure is tied to fear, and because of your fear, you stay insecure. And then when you get out of a situation, you're fearful to open your heart because you're still insecure. Is this making sense at all? The reason a lot of times people don't want to go to other churches is because they've been vitally hurt 
from another church. Amen? Some of you may have been in, in different ministries that have hurt you, right? But that hurt is also tied to insecurities because you go to a place and uh, can, I, can, I, can I use you guys as an example? Okay, praise God. So our, our deaconess gave, gave me an opportunity to use them and their family as an example, right? Because what happened was they were, they were brutally hurt at a church uh, by a particular person. That, that's why we don't do church names and we don't talk about church pastors in this house. We say a church and a person, right? And so it was a church and a person that really, really hurt them, right? So Pastor Tim were friends with them, and so they kept saying, hey, look, God, man, you need to come to our church. You need to come to our church. And they were like, no, I'm coming to church. I'm not coming to church. Why? They have some insecurities because they were hurt, right? Everybody following me here. And so I'm going to give you this example because this is a great example. I didn't even think about it until I saw your face. And so, so finally, I think you guys were at an event at their house. And you said, man, y'all need to come to that church. So they came to the church, and I remember seeing them, and they walked in and everything, and, and, and then they, we had service, and then they left. And I didn't see them anymore. For how many years? For about three years, right? Now, I didn't know what I'm about to tell you now. Uh, they told me this later. So I'm thinking, man, I must have said something. You know, my fly must have been open, something. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what in the world did I do wrong? Because I always take ownership, right? I take ownership for that because I'm the pastor. And so that wasn't it at all. So when it came in the church, it was another building. We weren't in this building. The walls were purple. The preacher was bald-headed and worked at the bank. And his wife was singing on the praise team. So when they walked in, they had came from a place where the walls were purple. <laughs> the preacher worked at the bank. The preacher was bald-headed. And his wife was singing on the praise team. So they tied. Because of insecurity, fear came in and said, oh, no, no, no. We're not getting ready to do this again. We're not going to have nothing to do with this church, right? And for three years, they stayed away. They didn't like bald-headed pastors. <laughs> yeah, there was some bald-headed ones, man. They aerodynamic. <laughs> Praise God. And so, but the Lord had to talk to them to say, you need to go back and give them a shot. Right? So what did they have to do? They had to give their insecurities and their fear over to the Lord and come back and give us a fair shot. There are some people in your life that you may feel some insecurities about. And because of that, there is a level of fear every time you get ready to talk. Am I talking to the right people here? There's a level of fear every time you get ready to talk to that person because you have been hurt by them. It is hard to talk to people who hurt you. Am I talking to the right people here? I'm telling you, it is hard to make that phone call. I, I've had to do it. I, it is hard to, to finally, I mean, you're nervous. You're shaking. I'm a grown man, and I shake, and I'm like, Lord, have mercy. I don't want to make this call. Jesus. <laughs> but you have to to overcome it. See, see, first, you need to do something to overcome it to see if you can do it. Then you need to do it again to see if you want to keep doing it. Then you do it again to see if you need to stop doing it. So by the time you do it the third time, you won't be afraid of it anymore. 
I just cured your fear right there. I, right, I, right, I just, it's gone right there. I just vanished right there. Amen? It's, it's, all, it's gone. It's gone. Just, just do it the first time to see if you can do it. Do it the second time to see if you want to keep doing it. Do it the third time to see if you want to stop doing it. Amen? Now let's pray and go home. We're done. <laughs> that was number one. Fear, fear, fear. Fear is number one. So you have to make sure that you don't have the blood clot of fear. But the, the other thing is this, too. You know, in 2 Timothy uh, 1, 6, and 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. I think everybody knows that scripture, right? But, but what you may not know is the scripture before it. So can I read the scripture before that? So let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 real quickly, and I want to show you something. This is why you had to bring your Bibles, because you know I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. So you need to see what, what I'm preaching is actually in the Word of God. So go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. No, second, sorry, my mistake. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Verse 6. So I'm going to do this very quickly while you're turning there. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. See, a lot of times we just read that, that second verse and they say God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. Right. But you may not re have read that first part where, where Apostle Paul is speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, because Timothy was getting discouraged at this time in his ministry. People were talking bad about him. People didn't like the fact that he was connected to Apostle Paul. And so he was getting all these, you know, how people can yow, 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 know, just talk a yow, yow. And so he was getting all of this. So Timothy was getting discouraged. Timothy had one of the largest churches at that time, the church of Ephesus. And he was pastoring. When you're pastoring a whole lot of sheep, you're going to have a whole lot of manure. So so, so Timothy was. So, so Timothy was getting discouraged, man. And so Apostle Paul came in and said, listen, listen, you need to stir up the gift that is in you when I laid my hands on you. So what is he doing? He's trying to tell Timothy, listen, you remember the prophetic words that was prayed over you when we laid our hands on you? You remember how excited you was? You remember how powerful you felt? You remember how the anointing of God was all over you? He said, stir that back up. In other words, he said, Fan into flames. He means stir it up because I have not given you the spirit of fear. So if you are a Christian and you are afraid about spiritual things, it might be because your anointing hasn't been stirred up. Because the remedy to his fear was stirring up the gift that was in him. And this is why when people sit back in church and don't do anything because they are afraid they have some insecurities is because they haven't stirred up the passions that's deep within them. And then what they do is they tend, not all, they tend to blame everybody for their dysfunction. I don't like Sister Buckethead. I don't like the way the pastor look. I don't like this, and I don't, that, I don't like that church. I don't like the color of the carpet. I don't like that shirt he's wearing. I don't like the shoes they wear. That hat is too big. That hat is too small. They too bald-headed. They don't have enough hair. That hair is too long. That hair is too short. That dress is too colorful. That dress is too short. That dress is too high. Those pants are too low. There's always something. But when you look at you, And you said, Lord, I don't have it all together. So remove this fear from me. Can somebody say fear? fear? That's number one. Okay, number two. Number two is carnality. Can somebody say carnality? carnality. Come on, come on, say carnality. carnality. Oh, heavens to Betsy. No, 
See, carnality is, is, is a word, it's a term only for Christians. You do know that, right? See, if you're an unbeliever, you can't be carnal because you're not saved. So when Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, and he was talking about to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life, well, he, he was talking to Christians. Somebody say he's talking about me. And so Paul was, he was talking to the church of Corinth. He was saying, look, 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 you guys are carnal. You know, carnal Christians are Christians who are immature. Because Apostle Paul, he says this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I wish I could have come to teach you spiritual things. But since you are milk drinkers <laughs> and that you don't desire the meat, simply because you are immature. If you stay, listen to this, write this down. If you stay immature, it'll never be your season. If you stay immature, it'll never be your season. You will never operate in the things of God if you continue to be a baby. Hello, somebody. You can't continue to be a baby in church. Man, as people have been saved for 20 years, they're still babies. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the moment you got saved, you should have been in this word, stayed in this word, studied this word, studied this word, studied this word, studied this word, and studied this word. When the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, he was not talking to the preachers. He was talking to every Christian. If you're not studying the word, how do you know that what I'm preaching is in the word? How are you going to be able to come to me and say, Pastor, you know, that wasn't true what you just said about the Bible. And, how, and, 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 and why will you not do that for me so that I can come back and repent to the church and say, you know what? Somebody showed me something in the Bible. I was wrong. Let me repent. So you hurt me. Because I don't get the opportunity to say I'm sorry. I missed it. Oh, I know you probably never heard this kind of preaching before. That the pastor can actually be wrong. Yes, I'm wrong a lot. And I'm going to be wrong a lot more. And since we're in this flesh body, we're all going to make mistakes. Instead of trying to show people how good you are, won't you show people who you really are? You just as jacked up as they are. Because you know if it had not been for the Lord that was on your side, you would have been right there with them smoking dope. Drinking in the club, talking about, yeah, that's my song. <laughs> Bumping into the deacon, you know, hey, deacon. <laughs> number three, number three. What's number one? Fear. Number two? Fear. Number three, unbelief. Unbelief is one of those symptoms, man, we have to get a hold of in the church of God. Otherwise, this is a blood clot that can stop the flow of everything. This right here, unbelief, is tied to your faith because if you don't believe, you can't have faith. Amen? And so, listen, it would be just like, uh, oh, um, like, um, let's just say you have a, a water supply. All right? I love to give examples. And this water, water supply, this is it's a lot of water. And you need access to that water. So you see a valve on the tank. Everybody with me? So you want to pipe that water somewhere. So you go grab a pipe. You screw that pipe into that valve. And you sit there and wait for the water. And you're trying to figure out, wait a minute. I put the pipe on the tank. The tank got water. Where's the water? 
because I got the, let me make sure it's not leaking. It's not leaking. So the water should be coming out the other end, right? So why isn't it? Because you hadn't turned the valve on. The valve is your faith. You're the empty vessel, which is the pipe. Unless you use the valve to open up the tank. God has everything you need from him. All he's saying is you need to connect to me. Use your faith to open up the valve. If you got a little water trickling out of the end of the pipe, then you have a little faith. And he's saying when you increase your faith, you open the valve and you get more of me. This is what God is saying to you right now. You need the faith to open up the valve, the valve, right? Now, I'm going to paraphrase this for time. There in the Bible, in uh, Mark chapter 9, somewhere around verse 22 to verse 26, everybody knows these, this group of scriptures because there was a man that brought his son to the disciples. You guys remember that parable? And they, he had a demonic spirit, and he, the disciples tried to cast him out, right? And they couldn't. And so Jesus said, bring him to me. So instead of Jesus talking to the disciples about why they couldn't do it, he focused on the Father. He focused on the Father's faith. He said, do you believe? The Father says something that's profound, saints of God, and I, that thing blessed me so much. The Father said this. I don't know if you've ever read this before. The Father said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, see, that first part is where all Christians are. The second part is where the fake Christians are. See, because you always want to say, Lord, I believe, but you never want to say, but help my unbelief. Ooh, I'm so full of faith, and I'm so this, that, and the other, and I read the word, and I fast and pray, and I laid out for 12 hours and 13 minutes because I'm trying to get consecrated. Stop lying. Listen, I don't always have great faith. I struggle sometimes just like everybody else. There are times in my life where I'm strong in the Lord. And there are other times I feel like Pee Wee Herman, just a weakling. Like, God, what is going Am I by myself here? Amen. See, I'm just being honest with you as a man of God to let you know you're not going to be on the mountain all the time. There are some valid situations that you might get into, and you're going to need your faith or the, depend on the faith of somebody else to pull you out. Amen? Amen. But if you're full of fear and insecurity and you're carnal, then you're going to stay in unbelief. You see how this is working? Yeah. Amen. So that's unbelief. Let me give you number four. is disobedience. Oh, I see. See? See what y'all saying right now? See, the Bible says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my word. So listen, I don't care who you are. If you say you are a Christian, the first thing I'm going to say, well, is he lining up with the word of God? I don't care what you say. You, you can say I'm a Christian. I go to this church, that church, and all that stuff. I'm going to look for what Jesus looked for. He said, you shall know them by their fruit. What kind of fruit do you have? Are you mean? Are you nasty? Do you treat your employees bad? Uh, your coworkers don't like you? You know, what, what kind of fruit do you have? How do you treat your wife? You know, what kind of fruit are you bearing? That's what I look for in ministers because I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, you up there and you're doing all of that and the other. But how do you treat your wife? How do you treat your children? That's fruit. Hello, somebody. And so these are the things that I look for because that's what Jesus looks for. 
And you're not judging anybody. You're just saying, well, how do you line up with the word of God? Hello, somebody. Disobedience. Disobedience. Disobedience is one of those things. Do you know? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Disobedience would cause you to lose focus of your vision. Can I give you some more word real quick? All right, go to Acts 26 real quick. I'm going to give you this. I hate giving you a lot of word because it takes too much time. But praise the Lord. Sister said you needed it, so I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> praise God. Okay, I'm going to start reading while you turn to Acts chapter 26. I'm going to start reading verse uh, 14. It says, And when all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me. This is Apostle Paul. He's sharing his testimony with King Agrippa. He says, and when all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me. This is Paul saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You guys remember this on his way to Damascus, right? He said, why are you persecuting me? He said, it is hard for you to kick against the gores. Verse 15 says, so I said, who are you, Lord? So right there lets you know that there was a conversion because Apostle Paul would not have called Jesus Lord if he hadn't touched his heart. He would have just said, well, who are you, man? No, he said, who are you, Lord? Hello, are you with me here? Okay, and then it goes on to say, um, he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Now, if you ever want to know the purpose of Paul, here we go right here. To make you a minister and a witness both of the things which, are, which have been seen of, and of, of the things which I have yet revealed to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. To whom I now send you to, to do some things. And this is the same prophecy that I speak over your life. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by the faith. That's what I pray over this church. So this is what you are already operating in. Hello, somebody. So check this out. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. See, when you are disobedient, you will miss your vision. See, God will show you that dream, but if you're not obedient to the word of God, you will never get to that dream. Is this making sense at all? This is a blood clot, man. You can get in your life, man, and it'll, it'll stop you from what God wants to do in your life. Somebody say disobedience. disobedience. Number five. Lethargy. Lethargy is number five. Let me just put it, let me put it blunt. Laziness. If you lazy, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. You got to go to work. Hello, somebody. He said, from the sweat of your brow, you shall till the earth. Amen. I hate what Mr. Adam did when he ate that fruit. Because we, we, we all got to work because of him. I don't know. Y'all want to see Jesus, but I think I want to have an appointment with Adam. I know, I know it ain't going to be no fighting in heaven, but I might have to look at him strange. <laughs> like, so you got to work. You, you can't be lazy. Listen, when Jesus called the disciples, they were already busy doing something. They were already mending their nets. They already had a business. So when Jesus called them, they were already busy. Hello, somebody. You can't think you're going to start a business and be lazy. How you going to be? A, you're going to start a, I got a business. Well, how many clients have you called today? I don't, I was just tired. Wait a minute. How you going to? Well, what, what's your business plan? Uh, I, uh. I have a plan. You know, the Bible says, 
A man plans his ways, but the Lord orders his steps. Don't you know God can't even order your steps unless you got a plan? You got to have a vision. Write the vision. Make it plain so that he that read it can run with it. But if you're not reading it, how you going to run with it? And if you're not running with it, ain't nobody going to run behind you. That bald-headed rascal preaching! You, 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 you. How you gonna be? La- you can't be lazy and a Christian. You gotta get busy. There are people out there dying and going to hell. You gotta get busy. You can't be laying on your bed talking about. Mm, I go. I go talk to somebody in a little bit. And you turn on the TV and watch the TV for four hours. Or you've been on Facebook for three hours. You hadn't had your face in his book. No hours. And then you're trying to figure out why you feel like you don't have any power in the Holy Ghost. Oh, am I talking to the right church? Hallelujah. Somebody said disobedience. And put your hand on your heart and say, that's not me. (laughs) Yeah, he wants you to obey the word of God. He said, if you love me, you will keep my words. That's what he said, right? So that's another symptom of a blood clot in the body. The last two, the last two, the last two, they actually work together. So let me read this real quickly, and we're going to pray, and we're going to go home. So go to Mark chapter 9. I'm going to give you these last two in just a second. Be patient. So what was the first one? What was the second one? Ooh, carnality, carnality. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be carnal. <laughs> Don't be carnal. Go to Mark chapter 9. What was the next one? Unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. See, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. And therefore, because if you, if you, see, that's why they were sad, you see. Y'all get that? Right, 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 right. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a sad you, see. See, when you can't see your vision, you become sad. And through disobedience and unbelief and carnality, man, that can block your vision worse than anything in the world. Amen? So let me give you these last two and I'm done. I know this wasn't profound, but it was profoundly for me. (laughs) So if I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. So Mark chapter 9, verse 25. Now, I've already talked to you about the parable when he confronted the father, and the father said, Lord, I believe, but help my my unbelief, right? So let's pick up the rest of the story right here, Mark chapter 9, verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. So the last two actually come together, a mute and deaf spirit. A mute and deaf spirit. Spirit. So, so listen, let me, let's talk about the mute spirit real quickly here, because mute means you can't talk. See, the one thing that the enemy wants to take is your praise. He wants to keep you from giving God glory. 
That's all he wants to do. He will attack you. He will cause you to think about your past. He will cause you to think about people who didn't love you, said some negative things about you. He will call you to think about that old drunk uncle who violated you. He will call you to think about everything in your past because he wants to give you a mute spirit. And this is what's happening in our churches today. The reason people don't want to worship is because they have a mute spirit. You don't want to give God glory. You just want to come in and say, God, I'm at church, so you owe me something. God don't owe you a thing. He already died over 2,000 years ago. He's not going to die again. He's not going to shed any more blood. He's already died once for all of us. And what we need to do is overcome a mute spirit and give God glory. And say, God, I come. I don't care about who's on the left. I don't care about who's on the right. God, I come in here to give you some praise. Because maybe they don't understand everything that you brought me from. Maybe they don't understand everything that you've taught me. Maybe they don't understand everything that you kept me from. But I come to give you glory. Come on and lift your hands to him and give him some praise in here right now. Come on and give him some praise. Get delivered from a mute spirit. Tell him you love him. Tell him you need him. Thank him today. Come on, somebody. Lord, deliver me from a mute spirit. See, we have a mute spirit when we don't want to talk about Jesus in the marketplace. He's got your tongue. They can talk about Allah, and they can talk about Buddha, and they can talk about everything else. But we need to lift up the name of Jesus. He said, when I'll be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You got to get delivered from a mute spirit. Don't let the devil take your tongue. You praise God anyhow. I'll be walking from, my, from the garage to my car, and I'm thanking God. Thank you. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. I might not even know what kind of prayer to pull off of my brain, but I can always say, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. And I just repeat that over and over and over and over. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. See, some people don't say that right. They say when the enemy comes in like a flood. But that's not how you say it. You say when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Why? Because he's good. Real good. That's what the song says. Say, he's good. Real good. Hallelujah. Somebody shout real good. Mm-mm-mm. It's like camel soup, baby. It is real good. It is. Mm-mm-mm. And see, and if he don't get you with a mute spirit, he'll get you with a deaf spirit. For the Bible said, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And if you can't hear the word, you will have no faith. So he want to keep you silent and keep you deaf. And that's a blood clot in the body. See, this is why there's really no move of God in the house of God. Because of a mute spirit. And a dip. But we put the blood on it today. Every blood clot in the body. Now that we've detected it, it's time to rebuke it. Hello, somebody. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-3.
ATC, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.